This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. What would they say? What would they say? They, who, would, who are they? First of all, right? What would they say? They are those that are found in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, if you have studied the word of God at all, and especially in the book of Hebrews, you would know that Hebrews chapter 11 kind of has a nickname. It's kind of known as uh, a chapter that involves great men and women of faith. In other words, they were successful in their life by faith. They were successful living for God. They had victory in their lives. And they've gone on and they've passed away now. And I just want to know if, if we could spend a little time with one of them. What would they say to us now that we're in a position of living our lives for God? What would they that did it right, that were successful at it, they got into the hall of fame, if you will, of faith. What would they tell us on our Christian journey? So we're going we're gonna to get into that this morning and uh, we're going to start things off with a man by the name of Noah, by the man named Noah. So here's our text for the month. Hebrews 11 is a chapter of faith, but then we're going to go right into Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse number one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and throw off the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Everybody say, it's my time. Yeah, it's your time to do something great for God. And we can learn a little something from one of the greats that have already gone before us. If you could spend any time at all with someone from history who would you want to spend time with? Some of you in here are historians. You love presidents of the past. Um, some of you would love to hang out with a, maybe a, 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 a military figure from yesterday. Some of you would like to spend time with an athlete of the past. I mean, how cool would it be to be able to spend time with someone that you looked up to, maybe a poet, a writer, uh, someone that left an impact on your life, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to hang out with them for a few minutes and pick their brain about whatever topic it is that you're interested in? Well, if you're going to survive and thrive as a Christian, there's a topic called faith that you're gonna have to spend time in and that you're gonna have to get comfortable with and you're gonna have to be so familiar with it that it becomes natural to you to operate and live in the supernatural. Did you catch that? You're going to have to, it's going to be natural for you to live in the supernatural. And that's the lifestyle of faith. And one, one gentleman that did it right was a guy named Noah. Noah. He's found in Hebrews 11, but he's also found in the book of Genesis. Let me give you a few facts about Noah. Some things you knew and maybe there's a few things you didn't know. Did you know that Noah... Uh, was a thousand years. He came into uh, our lives in the scriptures a thousand years after Adam. 
Some of you, you just kind of, maybe like me, you just pick up the Bible and you started reading it and it kind of felt like in the book of Genesis that Noah was just a few days later, right? It kind of felt like that. Well, in reality, Noah came around 10 generations after Adam. So it was about a thousand years that we come to know this guy named Noah. Here's another one. Noah lived to be 900 years old. Everybody say, that's old. Turn to the one next to you and say, I thought you were old. Hey, if y'all could have only heard that in that first service, it was hilarious. I thought you were old. It was great. I get in so much trouble talking about that service. Why do y'all tell them everything I say about that service? Noah lived to be 900 years, man. Here's something funny. Noah lived to be 900 years and he didn't, have, he didn't start having his own children until he was 500 years old. <laughs> That's funny. My man was like, yeah, we're just gonna travel a little while. You know, we're gonna do all the things we wanna do. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna travel, you know. We're gonna have vacations and we're gonna enjoy each other for a little while, about 500 years. <laughs> then we're gonna start having kids. Denora, we messed up, man. <laughs> we messed up, baby. <laughs> I mean, I found Denora when she was a kid and I raised her, you know? And I did, I don't even apologize it. When I'm 80, y'all gonna be wishing y'all did what I did, you know? He started having kids at 500. He didn't start building the ark until he was 600 years old. He had to get out of the house, you know what I mean? Kids were growing up, so he, he, he got him a hobby called carpentry. Noah's grandfather, some of y'all know this man, but you didn't know he was Noah's granddad. Methuselah, he lived to be 969 years old. You thought Noah was old. Methuselah lived to be 906. Some of y'all use that, right? You'll say, man, you look as old as Methuselah. Well, that's because Methuselah is on record as the oldest man in Scripture. How in the world can somebody live 900 years old, Pastor Tommy? I don't believe it. I think there's something fishy going on with the Word of God. Now, Pastor Tommy, did, did he really not have kids till 500 years old? Pastor Tommy, are you sure? Here's the thing about the Bible. That's the big disconnect. Leaves a lot of people frustrated. When it comes to the word of God, the quicker that you just fully embrace it as 100% factual truth, the quicker that you'll move into its miracle working power. What you're struggling with and, and wondering can someone really live to be 969 years old? What you're struggling with is you're seeing it through the eyes of your natural understanding. Now, one thing for sure you got to take into account, one of the reasons why is because that particular era of time, sin was just making its way into humanity. You and I are living in a messed up generation that's had thousands of years of getting this sin thing right. They weren't getting all right in the beginning. You and I, we've mastered this thing called selfishness. We've mastered this thing called greed. 
We've mastered, we've become experts in the things of living from our flesh and our wants and our desires. That generation was still living somewhat under the impression that they were living to please God. Somebody say amen. Amen. So the quicker that you fully embrace that the word of God is true in all of its sense, that everything about it is, is truth, the quicker that you'll become uh, someone that can operate in its miracle working power. It's like the little girl that uh, wrote a paper at school. She wrote a paper on Jonah. She wrote the paper on Jonah and she turned it in and was so proud of it. And her teacher just took the paper and just redlined it to death. And I mean, just beat it up. And in front of her whole class, the teacher waved that paper and said, how dare you write something so silly about a, this Jonah guy? You must be one of those Christians you, you must really believe that that happened, but it is not possible for a human being to be swallowed by a big fish and go through its uh, esophagus and go into its digestive system and actually live to tell about it. It's completely false. You're going to have to write a new paper. Well, the girl, and, and you know, this little Christian girl, she kept arguing back and forth with, with the teacher that it was true, it was true. His argument was, it's not true, it's not true. And she finally just said, well, fine. I'll just ask Jonah if it was true when I get to heaven. And, of course, the teacher said, well, what if he's not in heaven? She said, well, you can ask him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So here's the deal, man. (laughs) If y'all can only see what I see, there's like three people still going, what are everybody laughing at? I don't understand. <laughs> Here's the thing. If I, if I could, I would, uh, one of the great sermons that I could just preach is simply that if you'll get back to accepting this as truth, a lot of your issues will go away. But what we do is we kind of find those, <laughs> all of us do it, we kind of find those few scriptures that we like and we just believe that. The ones that we don't like, well, I don't know about all that, Right? We pick and choose which ones we want to believe and the ones that we want to adhere to. And what we're setting ourselves up for is a Christian life of frustration. And Noah, Noah would say, if there's anything I want to tell you guys living in 2017, you're living in a world that was similar to my day. A lot of things going in the wrong direction. And if there's anything that I would like to tell you, Tommy, and all your friends, is that one person, just one person, can make such a huge difference in humanity that it can change the course of history. So how can we make that kind of difference, Flavia? How could Flavia Paulino or Tommy Brandon for that matter, how could we make a difference that actually changes the course of history? Let me show you how. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter number six. Genesis chapter number six and verse number five is where we'll start today. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness, that's critical, man's wickedness. The Lord saw how messed up men and women have become. We're not gonna leave the women out of it, are we, fellas? How wicked, (laughs) 
That didn't go over well. The Lord saw how great. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you're going to get in trouble laughing that hard over that one. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was evil all the time. Let me just pause for a moment and ask you this. I'm going to kind of take you down here. I'm going to take you down to bring you back up with momentum, okay? How many of you watched the news this week? It's like every week gets a little bit darker. This week, you know, college shootings in our area. This week, child abductions. This week, uh, gun violence. This week, and before you think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to speak negatively over us, just hang in there with me. Give me a chance to make my point. Guess what? Next week's gonna be worse. The following week's gonna be worse. The following week after that's gonna be worse. Why? Because that's how men is trending. Humanity is trending darker and darker and more sinful and more sinful. So you might be saying, how are you gonna bring us up after that? That's pretty gloomy. Hang in here, you'll see it. The Lord was so grieved over man on the earth that his heart was filled with pain. God was so upset with men and the heart of a man and sin. He got to the point where he says, I'm going to wipe mankind off the earth. And he wasn't going to be just happy with that. The Bible says all the animals, poor animals of the, you know. Not just you, but your pet dog. I'm going to get rid of all of you. It said he's going to get rid of all the creatures on the earth. God said, I'm going to get rid of all the creatures in the sky. I'm going to get rid of everybody. And it's almost like God is saying this. Look at me. It's almost like God's going, I'm done with you. Done with you. But then the Bible shows us the great hope. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, he's got the, the, the heavenly torch ready. He's going to point his finger and he's going to just unleash all of God's wrath on the earth. And something catches his eye and it's one man. Everyone say one person. He saw one person. And he said, I can't wipe him off the earth. Because he's living an obedient life. He's living a life of faith. He's living a life of commitment. All these other people, they're just giving themselves over to sin and darkness. And I'm done with them. I'm going to wipe the earth clean of all humanity. But I can't. Because there's one guy. There's one person that's actually doing it right. And Noah found favor in the eyes of God, the heart of God, the love of God. And God said, Noah, I want to partner with you. I think the two of us together can do something amazing. I think you can make a difference 
in all of humanity if you'll want to help me with this. He said, I'm going to pour out a flood that's going to consume the whole earth. But you, my friend, are going to build a boat. Build a boat? I'm not a builder, but you're going to build a boat. I've never built a boat, but you're going to build a boat. And you are going to invite everybody. I don't know everybody, but everybody's going to know you. You're going to invite everybody to get on that boat. But I'm 600 years old. You're a right, perfect age to swing a hammer and use a saw. You're going to make a difference. That's going to change the course of humanity. And if Noah was sitting down with me today and we were enjoying a cup of coffee together and I could use one about now, he would say, Pastor Tommy, this is what I want to tell you. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time. You can make a difference. And you need to tell Calvary Church on the first Sunday of May that they can make a difference. Even if they feel like it's just them and them alone, they can make a difference that will change everything. So how do we change it? What can we do to play a role in making a difference? Here we go. First one. You ready for it? Write it down. You can make a difference for your family. Your family. So if you're one of our AO students at 14 years old, you can make a difference for your family. If you're one of our young married couples and you're in your 20s or 30s, you can make a difference in your family. If you're one of our career couples and you're in your 40s, 50s, and 60s and you're, you're putting life together and you're, you're, you've kind of come some distance and you know that you've got some distance still to go, you can make a difference in your family. And if you're some of the incredible families in this church that have put in your years of employment and you're in retirement age, guess what? Your, your, your profession may be over, but your job's not. You can make a difference in your family. How's that possible? And why should I? This is what the Bible says in Genesis 7. Back to Noah. The Lord then said to Noah, you've built the ark. Now go into the ark, you and your family. Noah, go in the ark, you and your family. Why? Because I found you righteous in this generation. I found you righteous in this generation. You play such a huge role in your family. Now this church for years, and we will continue to do so, this church, we send money around the world. Every fall, we do a huge campaign for missions. And we raise thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And every single penny, every single cent is sent out away from this church. This church operates by the goodness of you and your faithful giving on a weekly balance. But at the fall, we take one big giant offering, thousands of dollars, and we send it everywhere from Haiti to Canada, uh, we, we've, to Nicaragua, you name it. It's all going out. It's going to different churches in America. It's going to different ministries in America. That money is not ours. We get it and we sow it. We release it and we plant it elsewhere but ladies and gentlemen, that's not the greatest mission field. The greatest mission field are those that you love the most, your family. I want to do something great for God, Pastor Tommy. When's the next mission trip? Are you going home today? 
I want to do something great for God, Pastor Tommy. When are we going to go to Lithuania? I don't know if I'm ever going to Lithuania. You might be, but I'm, I kind of like Burleson. Sure, we'll put a trip together to Lithuania, but can I tell you something? In just a few minutes, you're going to be in a car with the greatest mission field on the earth. And you're going to be going to eat lunch at home, and you're going to be getting that bread. You're going to put some mayonnaise on it, put some turkey on there, and you're going to be getting a bag of chips, and you're going to sit across the table from a mission field. If you want to make the biggest difference in this world, you don't have to look any further than to that man, woman, or child that God divinely connected you to through blood. Here's the crazy part about it. We're teaching Bible studies to coworkers, right? We're putting the love of God to strangers at Target, right? We're, we're at Target, man, and we'll, we'll see somebody and we'll be like, hey, hey, how you doing? I just wanted to ask you if I could pray for you. Meanwhile, we go home to our own children. And they're just looking for a daddy to love them. They're just looking for a mama to love on them. They're just looking for a husband to love on them. They're looking for a wife to love them. They're looking for children to love on them. Family, Noah, you're going to build an ark. Yes, you're going to invite everybody that comes to know you, but Noah, your biggest mission field is to make sure you get your kids on that boat. And can I preach to this church this morning? You don't have to walk across town. You just need to come out of your own living room and find someone that needs to hear the love of God in a way that guarantees them shelter on the ark that's going to float above all of life's problems, that's going to float above all of life's struggles. It's called the church of the living God, the bride of Christ, the very thing, the entity that he gave his life for that will be taken on that day of his return. This is what the book of Acts said. The book of Acts put it this way. Acts 16 and verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Now this gets into some interesting theology. Now Pastor Tommy, are you, are you, did, did I hear you right? That if I'm saved, that means everybody in my household's saved? No, you, you misheard. You didn't hear me right. I would love to be able to say that, but that's not how it works. Jesus saves individuals, and he puts them into a group called the Church of the Living God. But you, you and your household, you will have influence in your household. The original word is O-I-K-O-S, oikos, meaning that you will impact your sphere of influence. You think you have influence at work? You have influence at home. You think you've got some influence in your community? You have influence at home. But isn't it interesting how we get the roles misunderstood? I mean, I'm the pastor of the church, and I mess this one up all the time. I can meet a stranger. Oh, let me tell you about the love of the Lord, or let me tell you about Calvary Church. When I'm at home, get your tail up. We're going to church. Have you ever seen the difference? I meet a stranger. Pastor Tommy, come over here. I want you to meet my friend. Hi there. How are you? Well, our services are at 9 and 11. May the love of the Lord be with you and keep you. At home, get your tail up. We go into church. Then we go in a small group. And then you're going to smile all the way through it. 
And if there's not child care, you're going to sit with me and you're not going to say a word. I'm going to make you love God. <laughs> Whether you like him or not, you're going to put on. And you're going to act like you love him and love them people. And when they say you're all cute, don't you act shy. You look at them and tell them you're not. I'm... And God is saying, why you got your mission field confused? Your mission field is those that you love the most. Well, I got to make sure everybody gets on the boat. No, you don't. But you do need to make sure that your household's on the boat. My mama gave me a Bible, 1992. It's in my office. I don't care it in public because it's red. I don't know what she was thinking. I think she got me confused for my sister. You know a mighty man of God can't carry a red Bible, mama. She gave me a Bible, though, in 1992. I still got it. And in the cover, she said, don't forget, me and your daddy have a standing appointment with you and your sister in heaven. Be there. Ladies and gentlemen, if, you need a, if you're looking for something to do, Love those that God has put in your life. Love your spouse. Love your children. Children, love your parents and your siblings. Now you're stretching it, Pastor. You know what I mean. Here's another way you can make a difference. You can make a difference for your family, but you can also make a difference for God. For God... Why would he need me? God could do anything, right? Somebody say amen. But God chose to use people to reach people. I don't know why, but his whole plan has always been, if I could get a Noah to build an ark, if I could get a Moses to lead them out, if I could get a David to whip a giant, if I could get some disciples to come fish for people, God's plan, Ryan, has always been using people to reach people. You can make a difference for God if you will become someone that he can trust and use. This is how scripture puts it in Ezekiel chapter number 22 and verse 30. Bible says, I looked, I looked, man. God's saying, I looked, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. Unfortunately, in this particular context, the Bible says, but I found no one. I didn't find a man. I didn't find anybody that I could use. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking for someone that would help build an ark to not just save your family, but then to also save someone else. So I can totally see Noah looking at his coffee and it's kind of running low. And he says, well, man, Tommy, I've enjoyed this. Thanks for bringing me in for your series. And thank you for telling everybody that I was 900 years old. Really appreciate that, bud. I've enjoyed it. But before I leave you, I just want to encourage you with something. 
So here you go, everybody. Here's some words of encouragement from Noah. One of the men in Hebrews 11 that's in the hall of fame for living for God. He has dropped by today to encourage you. And his first word of encouragement would be this. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Tommy, you can be you. You don't have to be like everybody else. Karen, you be Karen. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Heather, Tara, Michael, Nick, stand out in the crowd. Don't be like everybody else. Hey, everybody, you can't make a difference if you're not different. You can't lead from the pack. I thought about doing this, and, and, and I'm going to choose because of time. I'm not going to do it. But I honestly laid in the bed last night thinking, I wonder if I could get every single person that was 21 years old or younger in that 11 o'clock service to come and just stand in the front and let me just preach to them. So if you're 21 or younger, don't come right now because I didn't ask you to, right? So just stay right where you are. But I'm preaching to you for a minute. You don't have to be like everybody else. You're in the most difficult years of your life, 17, 16, 18, 20. I mean, those are awful years of peer pressure, man. Trying to, trying to fit in, trying to figure it out, trying to find it out. And what culture is, culture says, you don't need to be anybody but the group. Just fit in. And for some reason, we don't even get over it at 21. I'm 43, and I still fight the pressure in certain environments of making sure that I don't stand out too much. And then let's get real personal with some of you. Let's go to your job just for a moment. Noah's taking us on his. So let's go to your job. Are you the one trying to fit in at your job when everybody else is saying, well, let's just, not, let's just twist these numbers a little bit. Let's make these numbers, you know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's twist this. Let's, let's kind of modify this. And your heart's saying, it's not honest. Yeah, but it's business. But it's not honest. Yeah, it's about business. There's my spiritual life and then there's my professional life. And Noah's trying to tell you today, if you're going to be successful living for God, you're going, to be have, you're going to have to come to grips with this. You're going to have to be different. And when everybody at the boardroom and everybody else in the break room, when everybody's at the cubicle standing around saying, yeah, but I think we're going to have to do it this way. You need to be the man or the woman to be able to say, I'm not comfortable with that. That may cost me my job. What's more important, your eternity or your job? That may, cost me, that may cost me thousands of dollars. What's more important, a little bit of money or good sleep at night because your conscience is clean? This isn't the kind of preaching that gets you, gets you, you know, too many big, nice, fancy emails and text messages, but this is the kind of preaching that'll help you go to bed sleeping with a good conscience. And Noah wants you to sleep well. He wants you to live well. Because he's got an appointment in heaven with a few of you. And he wants you to be there. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Young people, listen to me, man. 
God have mercy, Jesus, at your age, is there anything worse than peer pressure? Nothing. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Here's the second one I think he would say. He's already thrown his coffee cup away and he's about, about to leave. And he says, not only don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd, but don't be afraid to try something new, something for the first time. I wasn't a builder. I really didn't never built a boat. It hadn't rained ever. I didn't even have a blueprint. I just got to building this boat. And it worked out pretty good for me. Don't be afraid to try something new. Some of you need to be trying something new called small groups. We're a month away from our summer semester. You need to try something new. Well, I've never been in a small group. I like going to church, but you know, that, that's, that's kind of making it uncomfortable because that's a small environment. People actually get to know you. People actually start like recognizing when you're not there and stuff. Yeah, try something new called relationships. Some of you need to try something new like like, like tithing. Man, I'm a giver. I love to give, but tithing's not my thing. Try something new. It's amazing what happens when you practice doing it God's way. Try something new. Like, you ready for this? Try something new like setting some boundaries in your family that represent your walk with God. Had a family after our first service tell me today something that, that blew my mind, broke my heart. Told me today, just a few, about an hour ago, they said, Pastor Tommy, when you started talking about parameters, it embarrassed the fire out of me the other day. My whole family, we were sitting in a movie. And the whole time I knew we have to get up and leave. And I didn't. I was the father. I was the leader. And we sat there. And the whole time I was thinking, what are my kids thinking right now? I can't believe we're not leaving. This does not. And yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's tough to try something new like standing up in public and walking out of a theater when you know that it's something that's not appropriate for a Christian. And you don't even have to go to the theater. You can be sitting on your couch at home. And if something gives you that feeling, that feeling's called the Holy Spirit, trying to tell you, you know, you might want to flip that. Why don't you try something new, like putting in some parameters to keep your family healthy, to keep your family thinking right, living right, talking right, acting right. Or you might just find yourself five years down the road from now, from now, from this point, about five years later saying, boy, I wish I would have, and you go filling in the blanks. You need to start living today for what you want your five years from now to be like. It's called vision. It's called faith. Somebody say amen. amen. Thank God. I thought y'all were sleeping on me. And I think his last thing he would say as I close today I think he would say, when you're afraid of standing out in the crowd and when your heart's beating out of your chest trying something new and different, don't be afraid because you're not alone. You're not alone. How do I know I'm not alone, Noah? And Noah says, well, I'll tell you what happened to me. This is what happened to Noah. Genesis 9 the story of Noah continues. Genesis 9, the Lord says, I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. This is incredible, man. I've placed my rainbow 
in, in the clouds. It's a sign of my covenant with you. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. When you're trying to make a difference, there's going to be days that are cloudy and you're going to want to quit. Standing out in the crowd's not fun. Setting parameters in your lifestyle's not fun because it goes against the natural. But once you start living by faith in the supernatural, you'll find out there's an incredible reward when you live by faith. The Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to even please the Lord. It's impossible to please God. So when you take these big jumps into being different, being peculiar, being set apart, there's gonna be some challenges. You're gonna wanna watch that movie. You're going to want to go to that environment. You're going to want to listen to that joke. You're going to want to hang out with that type of person. You're going to want to be, you're going to find yourself in social settings that you know that it's just tough. And God says, when it gets cloudy, just look, I've got a rainbow up there making a covenant with you that I'm with you. This is how the book of Matthew puts it. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20 says it this way. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even till the end of the age. I'm with you. To all of my friends that are here this morning, you're not alone. God is with you. So be brave. Stand out. Be different. Be salt. Be light. Be a difference maker. You literally could play a role in changing the course of humanity. Now, I close with this. How? Because your family is depending on you. And the law of multiplication tells me that if Donora and I, if we're going to come down to the, I'm going to believe that I'm going to live and be 107 and we'll say she's going to make it to 111. That sounds pretty good, don't it? Man, you're a tough crowd today. We're going to live a long time. But you want me to tell you what's going to make it successful or not? Not 70 years of marriage by that time. What's going to matter is if that little 11-year-old and 7-year-old of mine are on that boat with me. I, I can change the course of humanity and let me give you a warning today I feel this in the Holy Spirit I have not put this in my notes I did not say this in the first service right now by the gift of the Holy Spirit there's a danger in our culture with parents that you want to say but the things of faith are so personal that I need to let my children find their own you need to turn a deaf ear to that. That is not the plan of God. Your children are your children. He is your God. And I speak this in the name of the Lord. You love your children to the faith. 
Well, I, I don't know if it's right to indoctrinate a child. It's absolutely right to be a steward over the blessing that God gave you. So moms and dads, let's step it up. Husbands, let's step it up. Wives, let's step it up. Grandparents, hey, your job's not over. Step it up. Let's pour the love of God into people that matter the most. And it's our family. Because we got to make it to heaven together. Stand with me. If you'll give me about two more minutes, I'll dismiss you. If you'll bow your heads. In the right here and the right now, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want you to have this opportunity today. You don't need a sermon. You need a decision to be made. And I pray in the name of the Lord that maybe what you've heard today has moved your heart to get off center. If you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ, and I'm even going to go this far with this, if you want to come back to Jesus, if you know that you know that maybe maybe you've just kind of taken a step away from Him, if you want to come back to Jesus, I want you to lift your hand quickly. I want to pray over you. Lift your hand quickly. I see you there. I see you there. I see you there. Leave your hands up, please. I see you right there. This is huge steps of courage. I see you, sir. God bless you. I see you. Huge steps of courage right now. This is the separation between winners and those that live by fear. You're taking huge steps right now. But just all I did was lift my hand. Oh, you did more than that. <laughs> you went beyond that. You You fought off the peer pressure of lifting your hand in front of all these people. For everyone that has your hand lifted up, these are going to be my words, so you're going to have to take these words and you're going to have to put them in your spirit and let them come out your mouth and may it come from your heart by faith. Dear Lord Jesus, I bring to you my broken heart. It's broken because of sin. It's broken, Lord, because I've chosen to do life my way and not yours. I repent today. I turn from my way and I turn towards you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to cleanse my mind. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you for a new start, a fresh start today. I just want to start all over. And for some, you've made this prayer more than once. And the enemy right now is saying, oh, you're going to do this again? You're going to go through these steps again? I come against that. The grace of God has given you this opportunity to come to him again. So I come to you today, Jesus. And I give you my heart. Forgive me of all my sin. Empower me to walk in this faith just as someone like Noah did and successfully finished my race. In Jesus' name, and everybody said an amen. I love you so much. Next week is Mother's Day.
we're going to have a great Mother's Day reception time. Everybody listen. In between the two services, there's going to be a great Mother's Day reception time. We're ready just to pour our love on you and honor you. So come a little, if you're, if the 11 o'clock is your normal, come a little early around 1030 and we're going to enjoy ourselves together across the parking lot. If you're here today and your normal is our nine o'clock, you just plan on hanging out with us next Sunday a little longer. But it's Mother's Day and we're going to look back in scripture to a woman of faith and we're going to hear some words of advice from one more incredible woman in scripture. Her name is Sarah. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have fun next Sunday. I love you and I pray a blessing over you. Have an incredible Sunday. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.